Looking for work? Better pay? Better work environment? We can help. Call Kelly Jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today. Score a better job with us. Call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com. That's kellyjobs.com. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. For the drive with Mark Ennis, presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Biggest Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull. Welcome back into the drive here on 93.9 The Ville Market. As Dave Skull out here at Parlor Pizza. Come by, say hello to us. Get yourself something to eat, something to drink out here. Uh, they will take good care of you. Jerry waited through the commercial break, and I really hate for anybody to have to wait too terribly long. Uh, so let's jump right to it. Let's get uh, Jerry in here. Thanks for waiting. Jerry, welcome into the drive. What's on your mind, bud? Hey, guys. Uh, the other Jerry that called had a phrase that uh, was on the tip, tip of my tongue when he said, you know, Kenny had not taken a chance on himself yet. Now, I know I'm kind of beating a dead horse here, but yeah. we all recognize as basketball fans, one of, the hardest, one of the hardest jobs in the world, the hardest jobs to be successful at is a, is a head coach in any sport. And, you know, having said that, you know, when Kenny had never, had never been a head coach, you know, and he took the job and we heard everything Kenny said, and that was all fine. And then when he hired Danny Manning, another great man, Danny Manning has a 45% winning record as a head coach, okay? And then, of course, Kenny's supporters, be it Jerry Eves and Butch Beard, those guys were, I don't know, 30% or 35% winning, winning head coaches. And, guys, it all comes down to either you win more games than you lose or you lose more games than you win. And you've got to have successful coaches around your program. And if you look where we are now – Kenny waits till he's 55. This is obviously on-the-job training for him. Bless his heart, he hires Danny Manning. Man, Danny Manning, five, six, seven years as a head coach. He had a losing record. He is not a successful coach. So why would he be a successful assistant coach? I don't know. Somebody else is going to have to tell me this. He couldn't get another coach who had coaching experience, so he brings in a guy from Oregon. That's not looking good for a Power 5 conference team, you know, for that to be the situation. And, you know, my family, we were talking about this the other day, my son and I, about what it takes to be a coach. You know, you hear the stories. Buzz Williams lives out of his car. We see Rick Pitino. We see these guys that just have these burning desires to be basketball coaches. It means everything to them. They put it all into it. Then you have guys that are like, you know, former players. Guys like Kenny, with all due respect. I love Kenny. I'm a UofL alum. I have all the credentials of all the local fans out there. But it's like, you know, you look at it and you think, man, guys was – you know, you know, what have we done here? You know, we didn't go for a, any type of proven head coach. You know, we're taking one of the hardest professions, and we're letting them handle on the job training. Then they surround themselves with other coaches who haven't been successful at any level. 
and then you're just hoping that it's going to work out with connections and able to recruit and all that. And I know I'm beating a dead horse, but there's no objective way, and I'm a forensic accounting by trade, there's no objective PowerPoint way to look at this and, and, and think, wow, we're going to go into a second season like this, and maybe we're a 500, you know, and we don't make an NCAA tournament. Again, and this is a big business of Louisville basketball. I mean, all the writing's on the wall. And, you know, like Biscuit said earlier, I know that it's a tribalism thing, but I think at the end of the day, even with that, we're all in this together. And I sit down in the lower bowl with season tickets, and a lot of fans I see around me, long-time uh, older African-American fans, they're not happy at this point. Boy, they were there at the beginning of the season for Kenny. We were all super excited. Now, every night, I look around, they're getting up at five or seven minutes going to game, shaking their heads, walking out. Their hearts are all with Kenny, but, you know, if you asked this fan base and you took a poll and you said, if Kenny wins two or three games, does he get to coach again next year? Or you put some solid coaches in there with maybe better credentials, maybe winning records, and said coaches and asked the fans, make a pick. you got to pick. You know, I think across the board you'd be surprised at, at how many fans would, would go for the – the coach possibly with the winning record, you know, power five experience, et cetera. That's just some of my thoughts. Appreciate uh, the call there, Jerry. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm, you know, I don't begrudge anybody's feelings for whether they thought it would work or not. And we may very well get to the end of this sooner than we expected uh, and look back on some of those, these very things that he mentions and say, like, we probably should have done some things different. But that's really what I think the offseason – right now is going to be four it's going to be josh Hurd sitting down first and deciding is this terminal basically and then from there okay how did it go off course the way that it has and what can we do about it what should we do about it a lot of that's going to depend on what he thinks about what percentage of this uh is is, is on kenny and, and missteps on his part and that sort of thing mistakes misevaluations whatever it might be or just doing a plain old bad job or something and needing to get better at it there was always going to be i think some learning on the job elements to it uh as far as the, the coaching staff and, and danny manning in particular and it seems like everyone has a like they ought to do one of those uh personality tests it's like which assistant coach do you hate the most do you, do you want to see replaced right yeah. which one seems like the biggest problem on the staff yeah. to you you know and you, you and we, like, none of us like really surprise, know. you hate josh yeah. james you know yeah, like, right, right. <laughs> but for for danny manny the, the, the caller just asked the question uh he wasn't a successful head coach why do you think he'll be a successful assistant coach no that happens all the time yeah there are great assistant coaches who were terrible head coaches that's uh, uh you got that one backwards they're all over the place that's yeah. like it's the other going the other direction just being yeah. a great assistant coach doesn't mean you'll be a great head coach the other way it doesn't mean that at all danny Manning might be a great assistant coach but if you are an assistant coach on this staff you've got to know in the nature of this business in at a place like louisville no one's taking three and 20 whatever lying down and that in the history of basketball, especially major college pro basketball or football, when things go badly, if they can't and don't fire the head coach, they're going to fire you. And so whatever they think about it, I would – I mean, they've got to be somewhat nervous. They better be. Right? Yes. Yeah. And I, I, I hate, like, overgeneralizing stuff. So, like, when you say, well, you got these – 
guys that are really hard workers and their whole thing is being a college basketball coach or a basketball coach, and then you got former players that just whatever. And it's like that's not completely fair. Every – but he says that Kenny Payne was a hard worker at every stop he's had. Right. You know, he was a very present coach. He's not just cashing checks. We've had two different people kind of say that. Um, not completely fair. Now, I'm with you that I had plenty of concerns that he wasn't a head coach by the time he was 56. It didn't seem to be his career goal at the age of 56. It just didn't. And that probably should have been a red flag for those hiring, you know. But I, I just – but maybe that's something that they talked about. It, it, I'm, they had better of. I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did. Um, but, like, the, the the actual career path doesn't look like he was rounding into that. Um, doesn't mean he can't be successful. But I had somebody on, on Twitter, and I just always on the edge of deleting Twitter. <laughs> If I wasn't in media in some capacity, I probably would have walked away from that website yeah. years ago. Yeah. Um, but somebody's saying basically like, well, this is, I mean, it's going to take three or four years. He hasn't been a head coach. He's got to learn how to do these things. And I was like, man, then this is not the job for him right. if it's going to take three or four years for him to figure it out. Like there's some on-the-job training that we were prepared for. Absolutely. He knows basketball, he can figure, but he's going to figure out how to be a head coach. And we allowed for that, but we also allowed for that, uh, assuming that he knew how to recruit and develop. And we just don't have a lot of that evidence yet for whatever reason, uh, cloud, whatever you want to say. We don't have tangible ev- evidence of, of either of those things right now. So that's going to equal probably a pretty rough road if he's learning the rest of the job and the things that he was good at aren't coming through for him right now. That's a bad formula at this point. Texter asks this question. Has there ever been a superstar player become a great college coach? Coach K was so-so at Army. He was an all-star. What are you talking about? Star at Army. Yeah. Uh, Steve Alford was pretty good. He but was he a wasn't pretty good coach, but he wasn't a superstar coach. coach no. no, he was a great player. I'm saying he was a decent coach, but I don't know if he rises to the level of what we're talking about. Yeah, I don't think – well, He was a very prominent, decent head coach right. for a while. Sweet 16 type coach, though. It's not Jerry Stackhouse, I can tell you that Nate much. Stack. They lost by like 100. I mean, Juwan – he's – Juwan Howard's doing okay. He's doing fine, but they've, they've, they had, they've taken some steps back. Um, Penny, no. Billy Donovan? That's – not a superstar player. But he was a really good player. Yeah. He was a final four point guard. He was he was the the heart and soul of that Providence team. So that's probably the closest thing we have right now. Steve Nash wasn't a very good coach. He didn't do college at all. He didn't do college. Right. I mean Patrick Ewing's been a disaster. Yeah. I'm sure there's somebody we are forgetting. It's going to be embarrassing when somebody brings it up. Superstar. It's going to be someone obvious, and I just can't think either. That's exactly right. And because we only think of them as a coach or something like that that we won't even remember, uh, and we don't remember them as players, like, at all. Was was Bob Knight a good player? Was he good at anything? I don't like Bob Knight. I know you don't like Bob Knight. 81-50-93-9. We have not spent really hardly any time at all talking about the actual Florida State game and what we – like, just how much of a U-turn we might have to do if they do win the game on Saturday. 
Like, we don't have to do much of any U-turn. I would just let everybody – like, it is not, as far as I know, it is not forbidden that Louisville actually start to improve and show some signs of life. That's verboten. It, like, it might actually happen. I'm not predicting it. I'm not saying that it can't happen or won't happen. But what, like, what, are we, what if they do the exact same thing and just sort of play uh, a mess-for-mess mess game with Florida State, but they win, and they've strung together a couple of wins in conference? What's the mood on Monday? I, I don't think it changes that much. Honestly, because these are the – I mean, Florida State's been better than Georgia Tech, but they're not good. You know, they're a bottom-of-the-ACC type team. I just – I don't know. I, I mean, I they just you, lost – it's funny. They lost to NC State by close to 30, 28. Yeah. But the game before, yeah. they lost to Clemson by one. I know. I don't know. They were playing. I mean, they, they were playing they better. They beat Pitt earlier this year. They were playing better going into the. That's why the uh, the NC State game was so jarring for some people because they were playing a little better going into that game. I bet NC State uh, in the points. So I felt pretty good by halftime when they were up by forty. <laughs> it was like it was like forty six sixteen. It was thirty. Um, I don't know, man. I don't think that that changes that much. I think it changed. Like it, it's good. People are happy. Would it represent that they, progress? Do you think? Do people? I don't, I don't. I have to see what it looks like. Yeah, I really do. I, I do, but it's it's hard to to take too much away from these games. But I also don't want to say they don't mean anything because they mean something. You know, I don't want to be hypocritical, right, or anything like that. Like I, I don't want to dismiss any result. But at the end of the day, it's still one of the worst teams in the ACC that you're knocking off. Uh, but I'm happy you that you did that. Though. Exactly. I'm happy to do that instead of losing that game. And I, I want to see what it looks like because there are more uh, talented pieces on the Florida State team. Cleveland was a really highly uh, sought-after recruit. Like uh, They have talented pieces. They have a quality coach. It's not like beating Passner. <laughs> you know, even if they're having a bad year, Leonard Hamilton, you know. Slightly better coach than Pastner. I feel like that's not a controversial. No, Bunny Colvin is a, is a much better coach than, than, than Josh Pastner. I mean, he's a, he's a good coach. Having a bad year. The bad team. I would feel better about that win. Pat Sight Riley? unseen. There you go. But that's he was a one. pro coach. That's true. Sight unseen. Like, if just tell me they won. I don't know what it looks like. I automatically feel better about that win than Georgia Tech. I just do, because of the coach, the program, everything. But I do want to see it before I can even start to tell you, like, analyze it at all. And it's going to be tough that the games get much harder next week than this week. So I don't know what we can do to build off of that. But, yeah, man, it's going to depend on what it looks like if they win that game. But I think it's hard to say it wouldn't be some kind of progress. Some kind of progress. It's you not world-changing, though. You, know, you, have to, have to, you are right, though. Beat Florida State here because the next game's after it. At Pitt, at Miami, Virginia, Clemson, Duke, at Duke. Then you get Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech again. That's your breather for a second. And then Virginia again and at then the Virginia end. Virginia again. But that stretch of games, that is a that is that's a, you're running through the top of the ACC. We're on the road at Virginia first, right? And then we come home. No, home, oh, home first. Home first and then road at, at the end Virginia. of the year, which is so we great. in the year on the road at JPJ against the best team in the ACC. Who, like, when you look at the efficiency maps, you know the yeah. The, what am I trying to like? I'm 
completely just super good radio, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you know, they're on the top right of the graph, and yeah. Louisville is on the top bottom or the bottom left quadrant. And they're on the top right. They're literally as far away from each other as they can be. Virginia is the most efficient team offensively and usually in the country combined, and Louisville is the absolute worst. I'm telling you. Look at that going, this axis. Like, what are you? <laughs> I am looking. What I would love more than anything is for, in, in the same way that Tony Bennett was just inexplicably able to just completely. Handsome. Yeah, I know. Well, that <laughs> just <laughs> frazzled and scrambled Rick Pitino's brain and the brains of his teams, especially at the end of there. I would love for Kenny Payne to somehow just be completely befuddling to Virginia. Yeah. Like, nothing would make me feel better than the idea of, of, of Tony Bennett just sitting at home, like, being unable to understand how this is happening. And, and for, because none of us would be able to explain it either. Oh, no. There'd be no explanation whatsoever. But I would love the agony of it. And the fact that nobody could explain it would make it better, not worse, to me. Let's get Jose uh, in here. Jose, thanks for waiting, buddy. Uh, all right, well, Jose, give us a call back. Oh. Give us, give us a call back, Jose. You all right? What was that? We dropped a caller. Wasn't happy about it. Give us a call back there. Sorry, I got emotional for a second there. I just wasn't ready for that. Surprise! Oh. <laughs> uh, surprise uh, at all at the, uh, the the breaking down of uh, uh, negotiations where OU and Texas trying to get to the SEC. Yes. Uh, after next season, that is not going to happen now, and it seems like we are watching some gross. Manipulation, I guess, or maneuvering by networks. Like, guys, they've the whole thing's bought and paid for. Because if you've not read uh, Ross Dellinger's article about the negotiation to leave, that basically Fox is mad because they know as soon as OU and Texas go to the SEC, they lose them as viewership uh, because they'll be exclusively on ESPN as members of the SEC. And so they don't want to let them out of the Big 12 contract because they disagreed to a Big 12 contract that included them for a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, and so they don't want to let them out. They weren't able to work it out, and they're not going. And it just it, I've never loved how it feels like they secretly kind of run things, but I feel like it's just not even secretly anymore. It's We've really, sold out to them. 100%. It's really funny, though, because I thought there was no way that we would get more than one year of, like, the Big 12, the uneasy marriage with Oklahoma and Texas and the new. Where they're divorced, but they still live under the same roof. And, they're, but they're, and also, like. The, while one of them finds a new place. But, like, your the new husband is there, too. <laughs> you know, like the UCF, uh, Cincinnati, Houston, and BYU are in the conference next year. Like, those schedules look so funny to me because in your mind, you're like, there's no way they overlap. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I guess they're going to do one year of this. And now it's, oh, yeah, I guess they're going to do two years of this. Because remember when, the, when it first broke, we just assumed – when the, the four newcomers are coming in, Oklahoma and Texas will find a way to get out of that conference by the time that happens. It didn't happen, so we figured we get one year of it. No, we're going to get two. Two more. So we're going to have the upcoming year and the following year. The That's what I'm saying. We're going to get four, two. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's – uh, I love it because I, I, I love to see, like, Oklahoma have to play, in their mind, slum it up and play, like, UCF on the road. You know, that's awesome to me. Like – Suck it, seriously. Like go, <laughs> go play, go play in Orlando, in that uh, you know. Looks like we've temporarily lost them. So I guess we'll take a quick break on the drive on right through now. Deville, try to get everything sorted out. We'll be right back.
You're listening to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis. And Biggest Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull. Welcome back into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. We appreciate you guys again bearing with us uh, as we uh, battle through. Uh, technical difficulties here, but we're going to make it. We're going to make it to the yeah, end. We're going to make it. What did you make uh, of of the, I guess, the accusation from Kara Lawson last night that they yeah. that Duke, well, Duke Florida State played last night, and she claims that they played the first half with a men's basketball, uh, and then the ACC comes out and says, "Well, we investigated, and there's no proof of that." I have I have several questions here. First of all, how? How what? How would anybody not notice right away? I never once picked up a women's basketball without noticing immediately. I've never – I don't think I've ever held a women's basketball. Oh, for sure. It's oh, a yeah, noticeable it's a, difference? It's 100% noticeable. Okay. There's, it's like if it's a two-ounce weight difference, okay. uh, it's easier to palm. It's a little bit smaller. I think it's an inch smaller. Like it's, it's, a, it's a noticeable difference. If you uh, – mark all of this. If you handle basketballs often, which when I was younger I did much more often. When I you know, ran – you know, play in the gym often we'd play basketball a couple times a week there was at the high school there was always women's girls balls you know mixed in with the uh, boys or men's basketballs just mark just smiling Spencer's i'm trying so well, Spencer's hard just fr- uh, just frantically hitting the mark just, button they ought to just cut to us just, on the take yeah just this right is now. about to be the mixtape yeah, exactly. the rest of this we've already had a girls balls reference That's right. <laughs> girls balls <laughs> but going. like the 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 difference is noticeable. It's not, it's not significant. And these people that literally their whole life, they spend how many hours a day playing basketball? How many hours a week? And officials are handling women's basketballs every night? It, it's, it's almost preposterous to me that nobody would notice or just say, hey, hold on a second. How? What? Why? What is this? This is not the right basketball. But then the funniest part about it is you turn around and the incident or the ACC says, we found no evidence. First of all, what evidence would there be? Like after the fact. Like video evidence? Video evidence? Would you be able to tell? Yeah. That's like that be private stuff, but I guess they could. You know, measure it as it's going through the hoop, like what the you know what I mean? What the Well, aren't they labeled? They, yes, of course they are. That's what I'm saying. Like video evidence. Like, wouldn't you be able to come that out and see? That's a good. That's a great. Point. Now, is it possible that in the like the heat of the game, uh, the, the, I don't. And God, just forgive me for this. Like baseball, you know, there's like an ocean of baseballs, and they just go through them. Yeah. Like th- there's more than one. I'm sure. Yes. Uh, like, is it possible one is like mixed in? Uh, no. I would just feel like you somebody. You'd be able to tell right next to each other. Somebody like, Ugh, you know, <laughs> somebody like this is not the right this thing. It's not the right thing. Like okay. you'd be able to tell they're right next to each other. Referee like, too, right? Wouldn't he? that's what I'm saying? The officials. Yeah. Every night. Yeah. Like the whole thing is preposterous to me. But it would be weird for Kara Lawson to say that. Like it's it would be so weird for it to happen. Be even weirder for her to say it without like any, out like, of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Now, it no- has happened. Not recently, I'm saying, but like, like, like in the, like there have been. I think there was some people, you know, research. There've been a couple of games yeah. where this has accidentally happened. But I, I'm with you. I don't understand how. How? It's very confusing. It's a noticeable difference. It is like, and if it's noticeable to somebody like me, it should be noticeable to every single player out there yeah. that plays with these balls regularly. Mark that. <laughs> uh, can you please keep going? <laughs> I can talk for the rest of the rest of the I, segment about uh, the difference between fantastic. men's and women's balls if you like me to. Well, that's distinct differences. <laughs> we really. can talk about other balls. Donovan got hit in them last night. I mean, 
topical. Clemson Don player. Mitchell. Uh, Took a nut shot, yeah. <laughs> Man, this, we're all about the testicular torsion last on this se- show. This is the last segment of the, Florida, or the Friday night. I mean, this is what we do. The last segment on Fridays are Not silly. serious. They're not serious. Well, the last speaking of, of silly and not serious, our third different Jerry uh, it has called in. No way. You're, Jerry, you're the third Jerry on today's edition of The Drive, Jerry. Welcome in. What's on your mind, buddy? Hey, guys. Uh, I, so my real name is Jerome. I can go by Jerome if you don't want to have three Jerry's. But, um, oh, that's, anyway, oh, that's fine. Uh, three Jerry's is fine. I think I would yeah. go by Jerome, uh, though. <laughs> I, I, well, I'm a white Jerome, so that usually, you know, that throws people off. That's even cooler, <laughs> though, man. That's <laughs> even more reason <laughs> to do it. <laughs> yeah. Keep going. Um, yeah, anyway, so I work across from a black guy named Jerry. So it's a very Oh, that's great. Anyway, um, so I believe that the game against Pittsburgh this uh, coming up, that's our first, like, rematch game of the season. Is that right? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this is when we're going to see the genius of Kenny Payne coaching. Well, for State. When we get to reach. So that, that's when it's all going to come to fruition. We're going to see what's going on with it. Um, but then uh, another thought that I had, curious, you know, he went and found Okorafor in the Nigerian League or the African League or whatever it was. NBA yeah, Africa, odd? yeah. Yeah, is, is it odd that when it seems like what we needed more than anything – which obviously we needed him because he's changed some attitudes a little bit apparently. But how did he not go and find the best point guard in NBA Africa instead of, <laughs> you know, a, a good big man in NBA Africa? I mean, I, I th- that's uh, appreciate the call there. Thank you. Uh, I I understand that, but I, I it seems to me like it's less. It would have been less useful to Louisville this year to bring in another point guard and then try to integrate L. Ellis somewhere right. else and then Mike James. Like, if – I understand wanting more guards in depth like that, and that's a legit criticism that has, I think, played out all year. But right now the strength of the team is L. Ellis and Mike James. Yeah. And I would not – if I had to pick an area to – Meddle with it all. It wouldn't. It would not be those two yeah. at, at this point. And the front court in the center position, in particular, you have Homley Hatfield who's injured, and you have Sidney Curry who's not anywhere close to what they needed or hoped that they would get. It certainly doesn't look like somebody can say, "Oh, that's a captain." And the Roosevelt Wheeler was chasing butterflies, at, you know, during the, during the game. So I don't mind them bringing in someone else to play that role, especially after only Hatfield got hurt, but also someone who is, even if he's not physically gifted as much as some of those guys are, just goes really hard. Yeah, that, that's the thing. Like, everybody was saying, well, why can't we find a point guard? Buddy, we need front court players too because what we've got, we have a lot of them, but we don't, we're disappointed in some aspect of every single one of them and some of them multiple aspects, or they're unavailable. So it, it wasn't like we couldn't use – a core forward. Obviously, we took a guy who would have been a project on every single roster we've had over the last 20 years and played him in his second game in the States. That's where we are. So, obviously, we needed him on the roster. Uh, it's, uh, I don't know. I think I had something else to re- reply to on that phone call, but I don't know. Shiny thing. <laughs> Followed it. Don't remember now. All I can think about is we probably have to talk about Donovan Mitchell's nut shot at some point. Well, 
Dylan Brooks has a reputation in the NBA. He does. Uh, and he, he, like, indefensibly knew exactly what he was doing. He's had some run-ins with Donovan Mitchell yeah. before. Uh, knew what he was doing, and I will. He was in the middle of the Shannon Sharp thing as well. That, right, yeah. right. Trouble seems to find him. He's one of those guys, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, what I thought was most amazing about that entire thing, well, there were two parts. One, Donovan Mitchell being outraged that Dylan Brooks did that to him, falling down and being able, having the presence of my basement to peg him with the basketball before he hit the ground. Yeah. Like a quarterback avoiding a sack. Yeah. You know, it was like he gets hit, was, he gets hit in, was, the, uh, in the, the men's basketballs, yeah. and as he's falling. The jubblies. Yeah. Yes, just drills Dylan uh, and then gets up and fights him, and they both get ejected for it. The, but then to have the Cavs teammate basically showing them all the video on the sideline. Yeah. Did you catch this? They're, where they're all like crowded on the monitor, and he's like rewinding it and showing it to them over and over again of Donovan pegging him with the basketball. That was enjoyable. It's funny because on the initial broadcast, the guy was like, well, Donovan Mitchell's clearly the aggressor here. Yeah. <laughs> like over a, video, over a video of Dylan Brooks rotating around with his arm unnaturally ex- <laughs> extended and hitting Donovan in the groin. Yep. Like, what are you talking about? Like, that's ridiculous. And uh, but anyway, I think public opinion was solidly on the side of Donovan Mitchell. He is not a known uh, spit talker. He did not, or I'm saying, like he doesn't start unnecessary. He's not like this. He's, He's not, not an instigator. Exactly. But Dylan Brooks is a well-known one. Uh, and um, it was funny. Everyone was like, "Dude, Donovan tossed Dylan Brooks. What was he going to do with Shannon Sharp?" <laughs> the answer is nothing. Needed, I would not fight Steven Shannon Adams. Sharp for anything. I wouldn't have fought Stephen Adams. But, Definitely you know, would not fight Stephen Adams. Stephen Adams and Shannon Sharp's a better fight than Dylan a, Brooks. Seems like a fair anybody. fight. Yeah. Stephen Adams is a big man. He's terrifying. Yeah. But Shannon Sharp's at the point where he has retired athlete strength. Like, and old man strength. And old man Exactly. Yes. He is at the intersection of retired, like, he's like actually professional, at his professional yeah. athlete strength and old man strength. And the wisdom and control of an old man. Yeah. He is at that crossroads where he is at the height of his powers as a fighter, I feel like. I bet you he says, like, I wish somebody would at least once a day. At least a day. Yeah. At least once a day. At least once a day. While wearing that cardigan. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's just to lure you in. That's right. Right? Because you don't ever think anybody with a cardigan on is imposing. (laughs) That ain't no problem. And then he's going to tear you apart with his bare hands. He will. He will rip you apart as if he... uh, He's a bear, and you're like a raccoon. <laughs> I, you couldn't. I would never fight him. That sounds no. terrifying. No. I'm trying to think of the the number for me just to just to like, you know, get in and flail wildly at him for about 20 seconds. I was gonna or say, is anyone that you, you would know, fight? Me? Yes. No, Mark. I'm not, Mark probably not. Josh Passner. Yeah, like me, I'm an idiot, and I also am a big guy. So like, you give me. Like I'm not a you know I'm not a fighter or an, an ass, but if you give me a lot of money, I will step in the ring with most people. And yes, I will probably get my brain separated from my my skull, but it will. I'm I'm I have heart. I have a heart. I have a chin, and I'll lose most of those fights. All of them probably to the professional athletes. I just want to understand: Are you saying because what the sentence structure would indicate that you think that? The vast majority of people who fight are fighters or asses. Yes. Because you said I'm not a fighter or an ass, but I'd still fight. Not a f- like I'm not somebody who goes out and seeks out fights. Okay. Okay. So Same. I'm not an a hole. Same. 
I don't think. You know, like physical or verbal. I don't. I'm not an instigator, but it doesn't mean. But I'm also somebody who's not a coward. I'm not saying that people who won't fight are cowards. That's not what I'm saying. But like I, I'm not afraid to get hit in the face. I'll put it that way. And not, and being afraid to get Mick hit in the face Cronin. doesn't I would fight make Cronin. you a coward. I fight but, really small people. I'm, I, I have enough for somebody who I, can, I consider myself a relatively smart guy. I would probably step in the ring with people I shouldn't step in the ring with. I'll put it that way. For money, though, not just for pride. <laughs> like not, let me guess, like not, not, not for pride, for money. Like, right Dave's just going around trying to go viral here. Absolutely not. Just find me something. He's trying to be Jake Paul or whatever. <sighs> Whoever that is. I don't enjoy the Paul brothers. I don't. But, yes, I will, like, I will – if you pay me, I will let that. I will let large professional athletes uh, hit me in the face. You can do the slapping league. Uh, I see. How much I, money. Just, I don't I really want to do, do that. that. I would never do that. And here we go again with more technical difficulties here on the drive on ninety three nine. The bill. We'll take a break, get this sorted out, and we'll be right back. Metro College is a program that helps students pay for tuition, and I didn't believe it. You have to work third shift five days a week. It's a great and rewarding thing when you graduate. I would do it all over again, just like I just did. You know those buddies who magically become medical professionals when you're not at the top of your game? The ones who say, come on, muscle through it. But then also say, hey, you should probably see my specialist. Or surgery or pain meds. It's almost always false, false, and false. Athletico's physical therapists, the same therapists who work with professional athletes, can tackle those little aches and pains from the start before they become big ones. So next time, don't believe everything you hear. Instead, start with Athletico. Schedule your free assessment at athletico.com. You're listening to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis. And Biggest Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull. Welcome back into the drive out here at Parlor Pizza. Appreciate you guys uh, bearing with us uh, throughout a frustrating show, I think, for everyone uh, there. Uh, Dave, your level of surprise at uh, him even being a candidate, much less actually getting the job, uh, the reporting now uh, that has come out that Tommy Reese yeah, uh, leaving Notre Dame to go be the offensive coordinator at Alabama. You know, Nick Saban has. Uh, I can go all the way back to the times uh, when when Bobby Petrino was here, uh, and he kind of made some headlines at the time for stating that you know sometimes Petrino or uh, uh, Saban would interview people that he really had n- absolutely no intention of hiring, just to kind of pick their brains, just to get a little info, just to to challenge himself a little yeah. bit. You know, Saban's not above outside-the-box kinds of hires, but he seems to have made an embracing of offense You know, over the last five, six years. They, they haven't been the Saban's joyless murder ball kind of thing no, in, in no. a very, very long time. Uh, and, and there's no reason to it. The rules are being what they are. This, he's had good offensive minds. Sarkeesian and Kiffin and Bill O'Brien and Dayball. And this surprises me a lot. I, I am very surprised that this... Mainly because Reese is is really young, and uh, doesn't have kind of that, that track record really at all. And I didn't think that Notre Dame was like some sort of dynamo, uh, or, or even really in the same kind of uh, 
lane that, that Alabama's been in offensively the last several years, it strikes me as a very odd hire by Saban. And, and I, I hesitate to be like, I don't know what he's doing, as if he doesn't know what he's doing. But, but I don't know what he's doing. I don't know how else to say it. Well, he has to, I mean, I hear what you're saying with the, like the lane that, that Tommy Reese and Notre Dame has been in. Um, but I, he has a good reputation as a, as a smart young OC. He did under Brian Kelly. You know, and, and he stayed with Marcus Freeman when he took over at Notre Dame. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, you know, with what their offense did this year. But he had a good reputation uh, going into this season. So I, I maybe Saban sees something and wants to, to go that route. And I'm sure Reese was looking at it like, look, I get a chance to have like a one- or two-year internship under Nick Saban and then take like a nice Power 5 job because that's what happens. <laughs> you know, when you're a coordinator for Saban. So, now, I understand why Reese Yeah, Reese, though, do that it. doesn't make it. That doesn't. That's yeah. automatic. I would right. do it in a heartbeat. But it strikes me as risky on Saban's part. I mean, he's he's unproven. Yeah. Very unproven. And But he's malleable. Hmm? He's malleable, Mark. I just wanted to say malleable. It's, it's surprising. It, it strikes me as, as surprising. And it, it does highlight for me, again, I think he was a big, I believe he was reported to be, you know, a pretty big part of the pitch to get Sam Hartman to go uh, to Notre Dame from yes. Wake Forest, and now here he is. And now he's gone. And he's, yeah. he's leaving, and that, I don't know if how Sam Hartman might feel about that, but <laughs> I keep thinking about the fact that you know, the start that I think Louisville football is going to get off to, I think they're going to start 3-0, and I think it's going to be fun after that, uh, what happens, but... That Notre Dame game with some other offensive coordinator now uh, under a second-year head coach and, and Sam Hartman, who I don't think any Louisville fans are afraid of. I'm excited about that game. Not after we, uh, just, like, pantsed him. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I can't like imagine he'll, uh, he'll enjoy coming back here at all. <laughs> the worst third quarter of his life. Um, one of the best of my life. That was still one of the most enjoyable quarters of football I've ever seen in my life. That's one uh, of the only times. It might be the only time I've ever watched a football game. And thought, like, I've been confident in getting stops. I've never been confident that the team is going to take the ball away again. Yeah, yeah. But by the end of that third quarter, I was like, they're going to do it again. Yeah, it's like Sam doesn't want to be there right now. And then it was, uh, you know, his backups after that. Like, it was, he was so rattled. It was a weird was game. So, it was so, for somebody who's been in college football for a thousand years, it was weird to see somebody get so rattled. Uh, but a testament to that defense. And obviously, uh, Yasir and Yaya are getting rave reviews. You know, this. Uh, I I think that they both have a chance to go higher in the draft than than anybody thought going into the season. Keetrell Clark also. Keetrell, uh, and, and his comments have been interesting when he said, look, I finally feel like myself again. And, and we saw that. He rounded into shape yeah. this year. The first, uh, his sort of um, uh, transformation this year kind of followed the, the team's. Where he struggled earlier in the year, uh, Boston College was everybody's nadir, and then he sort of, as his play rose and as Monty's play rose, like the two guys that had been hurt at the end of the, the year before, they both sort of started catching their stride at the same time that they made lineup changes, and we saw a little more Quincy, you know, and a little more MJ Griffin, you know, and everything kind of came together with that front seven all at the same time, uh, and Cutrell continued his, his uh, strong play at the end of the year. And I think, you know, he was doing some different things this year. Um, he was playing in the slot, so instead of being a boundary corner. Um, it's almost like they got a little too cute at the beginning of the year, I thought. A little bit, a little bit. But he, uh, Overthinking. he seems more comfortable now, and he has a chance to, 
to be where we thought he would be in the draft uh, after you know the 2020 season. 81-50-93-9. That's uh, the number if you want to get in here. 38-31-93-9 for the UPS jobs. Text line. Get in before we go away again. Yes, get him while uh, <laughs> while everything is still working and before I accidentally cuss on the air or something, which has happened. I not don't. Uh, I would love for you to do that. No, I don't think that's a, that's approved. Uh, kind of make. I, I would love it. Who cares if it's approved? Dump on is available. I do not want to hit it though. Spencer, how many times have you had to hit the dump button in your career as a radio producer? Do you know? Ah, uh, it's got. I'm had probably just probably ten or so. Really? really? Ten? I don't the know hell? if you've ever had to hit it. Like you've never of had us. to on this show. Uh, what are you, I, like, who's cussing this? Or are much? you just are you just dumping every time I say nutshot? No, no, I, it's, it's the six eighty. It's over <laughs> on six eighty. Let's just blame those folks there. No, will they? And we have the infamous say, gross say no one where he says GD twice in a thirty second span. <laughs> that was not, well, not that was, his uh, best moment. I have not cussed much on the air. I've only cussed on the air once. I think so. it was. Uh, I think, and it was for Jared. I, if I remember properly, it might have happened one other time, but there was one trivia segment on the Diener Show where I said the S word twice <laughs> in like a 30-second period. Why? Nonchalantly, because I was just thinking. Oh, my gosh. I was like, oh, what is that name? Ah, uh, and then blank, blank. <laughs> just like muttering it to myself, and they had to point it out to me. I was like, I don't think I did. Like, yeah, you totally did. And I had to go back on the stream <laughs> and listen to it. It was just nonchalantly, you know. Got a little too casual, Dave. You yeah, man. That. You got you to gotta, gotta keep, uh, keep your guard up when you're doing this radio gig. You know. Nutshot. Girl balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it, just thinking back, I think it's mostly the UK postgame shows when I've had to use the dump button a few times. <laughs> <laughs> the past year of the UK. Uh, that has been. Like, I wonder how much of it's been callers. I wonder how much of it's been streamable. Yeah. <laughs> Old Vito. There's been Vito a couple Strabel. of times I was pretty sure we were going to lose all Strebel. Oh, man. <laughs> if you had one of those, like, halter monitors, you know, yeah. on, like, it would have been, like, it would have been going off. I've been worried for his safety a couple a times. A couple of times. A couple of times. Like, I get worked up a lot. He gets over different level. a different level on air. Like, my most worked up moments are not on the microphone. His are. Oh, no. Mine, mine almost never are. Not on purpose, anyway. <laughs> Unless what's his name, Ellis calls him. Right. I do like the theory that has been pushed around uh, today that Kyrie Irving is just, is intentionally upstaging uh, Michael Jordan Day since it's two <laughs> three twenty three. Yeah, yeah I am. Enjoy- I'm. That would be the only thing that I would approve about uh, about Kyrie Irving is that. Do you think he's that aware? No, 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 <laughs> no. no, no he's no. aware of everything else except no, I don't, this. I don't, I don't. <laughs> oh, he's aware of everything else, but. What's actually happening? It seems like he needed. He wants to get traded and win a championship before the spaceship passes Earth, and he has to drink Kool Aid to go join the rest of the heavens get cold. I, I did see reports though that the apparently the Lakers, Suns, and Mavericks have uh, expressed some interest, and I just I don't I don't know how they don't learn, but Lucy's going to yank that football out too. And here's the thing: if he's upset because he didn't get an extension that he wanted. And he wants to get a sign-in trade. That's what he wants. There's just who's going to sign up for that, right? Like maybe I and can not see, ask for the same things that the Nets did. Exactly. In some world, I could see the Lakers saying, "You know what? We'll sign up for four months of Kyrie if we don't have to get rid of any draft picks." 
Like if we're just trading a couple of players, if we can make it work, if we can improve our team with this, fine. We'll take them on for the next three months and try to win a championship. I don't see anybody looking at this and saying, no, I want to sign up for that guy for the next five years. No way. No way. He has missed almost entire seasons. He had the whole vaccine controversy. Fine. Uh, the anti-Semitic remarks are a massive issue that have just kind of been blown by at this point. I, I think it's perfectly reasonable for, for, for teams to approach him or for the Nets to approach him and say, we're going to need extra assurances about yeah. your availability if you want to be rewarded financially like you're describing. I, yeah. I don't think that that's irrational at all. And he it's just a, another example of his, his lack of self-awareness to be surprised or outraged by that. Oh, to think that another team is going to give him that. The amount of money that he's looking for, fifty million, basically $50 million a year, four years, 198 or something like that. Without and, and, without, with, right, and have it be an utterly one-sided deal. He's wild. But we all know he's not a reasonable person. I'm it's getting not so what we close to swear on here because I just cannot stand Irving. Kyrie Irving. <laughs> I mean, I get it. He's not like not a likable person in the man. least. He isn't. I'm surprised he's not a nutshot factory. Like seriously, getting or giving? Getting or giving? I mean, sorry, giving. Um. Although he doesn't, just because he's so unlikable, yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if he was. If he had that affliction as well. I don't think he cares enough. To be that. Hmm. It's interesting. Because, like, Chris Paul is a big – he is maybe, maybe the public ultimate. enemy number one yeah. when it comes to uh, Draymond, NBA nutshots. Draymond has been that. Uh, Dylan Brooks, obviously, is, is a current – Aspiring. Yeah, aspiring. <laughs> the young guns. Yeah, right. like, really an up-and-cover in the nutshot <laughs> game. <laughs> well, you may have outdone yourself there, <laughs> What a day. <laughs> Real up-and-comer in the nutshot game. But I like how you have a scouting report on who's the up-and-comer in this. <laughs> that's right. That's right. We did just power rank nutshot guys in the NBA. Well, we, I mean, Grayson Allen was really our guy. You know, he was, he he's was, a tripper. He was the, yeah, yeah, he's more below the belt he than had that. that. He had that. Where do you think nuts are, Spencer? No, no, I said, well, said more, more below, below the belt. The belt. <laughs> like your knees, like ankles, etc. Lower the belt. You know what I'm saying, like yeah. lower. See, when you said more, it's like. I don't know. Further below the Further, belt. there you Further, go. There, yes. there That's go. the word. Because <laughs> the way you said it, it sounded like you were implying that. <laughs> I know what you <laughs> mean. That's where above the belt. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. He's more of a trip, but he has he has dabbled in other things. That's A little yeah. here, a little there. Right. All right. Grayson's a, he's a five-tool player when it comes to um, being a. He puts the tool in five-tool for sure. <laughs> He definitely puts the tool in five tools. I was I was disappointed to see today as we were, as we get close to, to wrapping things up here that despite spending last year as an analyst and the defensive coordinator position being open that Todd Grantham did not get the defensive coordinator right. job at Alabama because I, w- I would have wanted to see him and Nick Saban all year. You talk about combustible people. Oh yeah. But more than that, I would have. Well, I think we've lost them, and I think that's going to be do it for Badly. Oh, Give do we have them again real quick? Are, are, are we on? You Spencer? guys are, yes. Okay, all right. All right, we, can, we can bring it home then, maybe. I would have wanted that battle right there between those two yeah. more than almost any matchup I could have wanted in college uh, football next year. One last thing. I agree with you. One last thing. Did you see the Tony Romo thing? 
Uh, what what he has alleged to have possibly been thinking about saying? Yes. Well, I, no, that not that. Oh. Although that's that was Hilarious interesting. Also. Right. Um, there was the uh, rumor that CBS had like a come to Jesus moment. Oh yeah. So before yeah. the season, even though like they're claiming no, we have right. meetings with everybody to go over everything. Right. Basically, like, look, we signed you to an 180 million dollar contract, and you're slipping in like year two or three. Like, you need to fix it. And this year, he was because he's noticeably worse than he used to be. He got that bag, and then basically. Became very, very generic. Collinsworth Jr. <laughs> it's a shame, too, because early on I, good, I loved Roma. He made games fun because he seemed like he was having fun yeah. uh, but so much. Uh, now he just, like, he just wants to play golf, I think. Yeah, I mean, that happens to that in sports all the time. Guy yeah. gets a giant contract. He's like, I'm good, man. Good. He should, though. He's that so money's good at just golf. Guaranteed. He, should be, he should be aiming for age 50 to go join the senior exactly tour. Exactly what I would do. All right, that yeah. Spence, I think we're, we're going to surrender. Uh, yeah, and man. Say that will do it uh, for us. Appreciate all of you guys battling through uh, with us here on technical issues. We'll have it uh, solved certainly by Monday. You've been listening to The Drive, Knock on the Bell. See you.